Today's episode of Under Further Review Sports Podcast is brought to you by... As a true community bank, People's Independent Bank is known for its relationship-based, service-driven brand of banking. There's a lot of bank inside our walls. We offer a complete array of accounts, financial services, and technologies designed to enhance your banking experience, along with PIB Mortgage, with a full lineup of loan options, including 100% home financing. People's Independent Bank. You'll like banking with us. Member FDIC, Equal Housing Lender, NMLS number 466340. We're also sponsored by Chico's Taqueria. With a wide variety of authentic Mexican food, Chico's is here to help you with your craving. Visit Chico's today at 203 West McKinney Avenue, Suite B in Albertville, Alabama, or call them at 256-660-1061. You can also order Chico's through DoorDash. I personally eat Chico's at least once a week, if not more, and I can vouch for them having the absolute best tacos in Albertville and the surrounding area. So I highly suggest going and visiting uh, Chico's today. Whether you are purchasing your first home, second home, an investment, or refinancing your current mortgage, there is no other place you need to shop than with Will Brumblow Mortgage Group, LLC. Will offers financing through conventional, FHA, VA, and USDA options, whichever best suits you. Call Will today at 256-477-9650. Will Brumblow, NMLS, 202-9930. Mortgage Group, LLC, Company, NMLS, 1979389, and Equal Housing Lender. This episode of Under Further Review is also brought to you by Ali and Me Boutique, located at 285 U.S. Highway 431 in Boaz, Alabama, 35957. You can reach them at 256-281-9566 or shop online at shopallieandme.com. Ali and Me Boutique is a trendy yet affordable women's clothing boutique. They offer a variety of shoes, handbags, jewelry, and gifts, as well as a vast selection of beautiful clothing. Some of the popular boutique brands that they carry are Z Supply and Kendra Scott Jewelry. Shop online at shopallyandme.com today. Looking to get some pictures made? Call Jade Alexandria Photography today. Jade Alexandria Photography believes that capturing all the special moments and milestones we go through is such an important part of life. She offers sessions from maternity and watching your babies grow through different stages of childhood to capturing entire families. She would love to preserve these special memories for you. Together, you will create beautiful images that you can display proudly in your home for years to come. Call Jade today at 256-960-0573. Kyle Pierce is a lifelong Alabamian who grew up in Atala, graduated from the University of Alabama, then attended Samford University's Cumberland School of Law. His law practice is built around solving issues for the people and businesses of Etowah County so they can do more. As a lawyer practicing throughout Alabama as part of the law offices of Kyle D. Pierce, Kyle works every day to bring his passion for serving others together with his knowledge and experience to solve problems for his clients that allow them to do more and go further in the pursuit of their passions. Call the law offices of Kyle D. Pierce today at 1-844-357-357. Today's sports are under further review. The UFR Sports Podcast with Anthony Burgess. 180, 180, spider two, wide banana. Omaha, Omaha. The previous play is under further review. 
your go-to podcast to hear the latest in the sports world. We are live. And we are live under Further Review Sports Podcast. We have our guest today, uh, Coach Miles Holcomb of the Southside Panthers. Welcome. Man, I appreciate you having me. It's, uh, it's awesome to be here. I mean, setup's big time. It's a big time setup. I really <laughs> like it. It's awesome. Appreciate that, man. I've got my co-host here, Brad Lutz. Brad, welcome aboard. This is your first episode. Yep, glad to be here. Glad to be here. So, uh, Coach Hawkins, we're going to dive right in. First of all, I'm going to say that you have set the bar <laughs> tremendously high for Under Further Review Sports Podcast because you brought us swag. Yeah, I mean, look, that's the best part of getting to coach football is getting swag. I mean, that's – I love gear. I'm a gear guy. Like, our, you can ask our coaches. Like, our coaches got a ton of gear. I and mean, we kept getting it, and they were like, hold up. Like, we got – and I'm like, yeah. So, we ordered some more gear for – you know, we got – Got to make sure we have something new for clinic season coming up. So, you know, we had to order a few more things. So, uh, Well, I, I can tell you, f- future future guest on, on the podcast, the, the bar has been raised by Coach Miles Holcomb. So, uh, Coach, tell us a little bit about yourself. Um, you know, where, where you're from, how, uh, how you got into sports, and what took you down the path of coaching. Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm from Crossville, so I'm from right down the road from here, you know, and so – uh, growing up, started playing baseball when I was four. You know, my dad was really my first coach. And uh, started playing basketball in third grade. Didn't play football until seventh grade. And I'll be honest with you, seventh and eighth grade, like, I hated football. Like, I didn't like it. You know, and I don't know I don't know a whole lot of people who look back and they're like, man, I sure did love middle school football, you know. And so uh, I think that's a good experience for me as a head coach, understanding that you lose some kids in middle school football. Uh, I mean, I just remember my experience, not because I had bad coaches, like I just, it just wasn't fun, you know? And so, uh, but I hung in there and, you know, my my uncle was a coach and, you know, my dad loved football and played at Crossville. And so, you know, and all my friends played. So it wasn't something like you were like, oh, I'm gonna quit. It was just, you know, you just, it was just hard, you know, and you wasn't sure if you like it or whatever, but um, ended up, you know, playing three sports in high school at Crossville, played for two, head coaches in high school, Chris Garman and Jeff Pugh. Uh, and uh, I love both those guys. You know, I, I think I think they had a huge impact on me just as a person, you know. I mean, I think all of our high school coaches, that's part of the reason why I love doing what I do is because the impact you get to have on people. And so those two guys had a huge impact on me. Uh, I got a chance to see Coach Pugh the other day. It's like, I think it's – and he, he said, you know, at the, at the state playoff meeting for round one – you know, I'm walking in or whatever, and Coach Pugh's sitting there and, like, having a chance to have a conversation with him. And he's like, man, it's, like, this is awesome. You know, and, like, having a, having a just having that opportunity to talk to him a little bit now, like, he's a head coach and I, I get a chance to be a head coach and knowing that I played for him and the impact he had on me and stuff. So, like, that was a cool experience for me. But um, uh, ended up leaving, getting a scholarship to go play at Shorter. Um, and didn't really know you know I, I never thought I was going to play college football like that never was to be honest with you, that never was a goal for me like I was going to go play baseball somewhere um but had had a shoulder injury like we're, we're playing in a basketball tournament 
uh, going into senior year, and like I die for a ball or something. It's like landed weird, and I didn't, I didn't know what it was. Whatever, ended up tearing my labrum. Didn't know it. You know, shoulder shoulder was an issue ever since. You know, but still had a chance to go play it shorter. So I went. You know, and I was a defensive guy. Like I loved defense. Like I hated offense growing up. Like right. I hated it. And uh, ended up getting over there and went through the first week of camp and we had like four offensive linemen get staph infection and they called me and another guy named fisher his name's fisher marietta and they call us both into the office and they were like hey we we think you guys can play offensive line like we think you can play right tackle for us uh, and phil jones was the head coach who's uh, unfortunately passed away uh last december um but was like one of the godliest men that i'd ever been around in my entire life um and you know there was something about him that made you want to play hard because you didn't want to disappoint him. Mm -hmm. And I remember going into the office and I'm like, I ain't never played offensive line a day in my life. Like, about to go play right tackle in a, you know, like in double slot. I didn't know what I was doing, you know. Right. And so, go over there. Like, ended up loving it. Um, you know, I think it. I think it helped me understand the box. You know, I knew some defensive stuff, but. You know, coaching high school football was different when I played than it is now. Like, so much more in depth. You know, right. I remember we're about to play uh, Aniana my junior year, and we put in something we called Hurricane. All right, well, I didn't know what it was. I just knew I got to be a jet in and like come off the edge. <laughs> well, t come to find out, it's four three cover two. Like we thought it was something you know super crazy and dynamic. <laughs> you know, and it was that gun cover two. And, but you know, it, the game has evolved so much. Um, that had I not had that opportunity in college to play offensive line, like I'm not sure that I would understand the game as well, you know, as I feel like I do now, because it gave me a different perspective that I probably would have never had. Um, so, going back to, to high school, going into uh, college, I mean, you you were, and I've known you for a while. You mm -hmm. you were a you were slimmer, so I'm assuming <laughs> you you had to put on a, quite a bit of weight. Yeah. In order to make that transition offensive line. Yeah, no doubt. Like nobody told you nobody tells you how hard it's gonna be to lose it after they ask you to gain it, you know. Yeah. And so like I think I got to college and like I'd I'd put on a little bit, like I was like two twenty probably. Mm -hmm. and, and they were like, Hey, we're gonna need you to get about two sixty five. And I was like, Oh wow. Okay. And so um ended up tearing my MCL, the first scrimmage that I played in at right tackle ever. Tore my MCL out a couple weeks, got red shirted. And the second year, as a redshirt freshman, I started. Um, and I got up to, like, 240. And, like, I was like, I feel pretty good, you know. And we, we go play the following year. Um, actually, the last drive of that season, we're in Lambeth, and we're playing Lambeth in Tennessee. And somehow I down block. Like, we, we run a play we call 14, which essentially was just veer to the right. All right, down block, we're double teaming, and like I rotate, boom, tear my patella tendon, tear my ACL, um, you know, and was out. Didn't get that spring, like lost that spring, was coming into the season, um, and actually dislocated my shoulder the week going into that game. Like again, like it was like we were on bags. Like we, we weren't even live. We had shells on, on bags, and like I just like stuck a hand out, like I was gonna cut that guy, like in real life, and like somehow like just, just the, <laughs> I don't know, the force of the bag and like my shoulder was so bad in general that boom, popped it out of place. And so um, it was hard, it, it's it's tough. Like I feel for those guys that that 
you know, can't stay healthy. I mean, I know right. how they feel. Like, it was it was awful, you know. And yeah. so, um, but stayed, you know, stayed there for five years. And like you said, like I had to put on, ended up getting up to like 270, I think was the heaviest that I got to. And, um, you know, we had an awesome, had an awesome career. My, my red shirt uh, junior year, we won the conference. You know, my first year, they'd never had a team. Like, that was the first year we had a team was our freshman year. Right. So I got a chance to go over there and play with a guy who, growing up, was one of my best friends in the world. And we played together, and he played offensive line, too. We were roommates together. And so started playing baseball together when we were four. And then played all the way through college together and lived together. And, you know, that was a cool opportunity for me, you know. But um, after after that, like, I kind of knew, like, I, w- I want to coach. Mm-hmm. I mean – I didn't know that going into school. Like, I was pre-med. Like, first two years of college, like, I was pre-med. Like, I didn't want nothing to do with teaching. You know, my mom's a teacher. My aunt's a teacher. My grandmother worked in the front office. My uncle was a teacher and a coach. And I was like, I, you know, I don't I don't care nothing about teaching school and coaching football. Like, it's just not for me. Right. Um, but now, looking back, like, I think I started uh, as a manager in first grade. And so, 1993 – uh, from 1993 until now, uh, I think I've been on the sideline on Friday night or Saturday, every Friday or, or Saturday. That's so, awesome. You know, awesome. I don't I don't think I could see myself doing anything else now. Very cool. So uh, we're gonna dive into some 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 coaching stuff. Yeah. Uh, just some some general uh, information. Where, you know, the aim of this podcast is to educate people mm-hmm. um, and and get it from a, a coach's perspective. Uh, the first question I have here is, you know, when you are coaching a quarterback, mm-hmm. you're an offensive guy, you've been an, uh, a quarterback's coach, mm-hmm. how, how is it that you teach them to read a defense when they are so young, operating in your offensive system, what does that look like for them and, and breaking down from progression or single key reads? What, what does that look like for you? So, you know, I think it all starts with pass pro, especially in the throw game, you know, mm-hmm. and, and the un- I guess the unfortunate part we had we had a sophomore quarterback this year, you know, and he's taken over for a guy that ended up going to play at Murray State and was a really good player, um, you know. And we have all these like, there's like a, a run it runs, you know, which are which we call it, and he knows he's sticking with it, and that we're running that. Uh, we have other things we call run solutions, which it's a run game. We want the run, you know, but if the pre snap numbers and leverage dictate like, hey, there's too many in the box for us. Now he knows he's got like a quick bubble, he's got a quick sit, you know, he's got something that can get us out of a bad run play. Uh, and then we have RPOs like everybody does, where we're reading like a second level or third level defender. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we have just like our, our, we have quick game, throw game, we have our intermediate, and we have our down the field stuff. Uh, but everything for him, we teach him is pass protection uh, because he needs to know like, are we free release? Like, is this a five-man pro? All right, is the tight end in? So it makes it a six-man, but the back's free release. All right, is the tight end in? Or is the tight end releasing, but the back's going to stay in now, which still makes it a six-man pro? Or is the back and the tight end staying in now it's a seven-man pro? Yeah. Because um, he, he needs to understand, like, where's the sack beater going to come from? Like, if we're going to have – we call the guy who's a free rusher that we can't block the bogey in the in pass pro. And he needs to know, all right, well, if we're five-man pro and the back's out and he sets it to the boundary, well, that front side inside backer now becomes the bogey. So if he's not bailing with the back and he's the free rusher, now we got to get it to our back, who's the, we call him the sack beater. 
Um, and so everything we try to build into our quarterback starts with pass pro, number one. Uh, and then the second thing is he's got to understand in pass pro what the front is. Mm-hmm. So we always start day one, like day one install, whether they're sophomore or whether he's going to be a junior or senior for the next, you know, however long we have these guys, starts with understanding what a front looks like. All right? and, and we call odd fronts a little bit different, you know, and, and, and these are things that, like, I look back now and I'm like, man, like, this would have been awesome. Like, I, I feel like I would have ate this up. And we try to do stuff that we think are going to help our kids in the future. Yeah. And so – you know, we teach them the difference between an under and over front. Uh, we teach them the difference between what we call an odd front, an oaky front, a 404, and a bare front. Mm-hmm. And so, and those are all different for us. If we get a 505, like we know that we're talking like, hey, we got an oaky front this week. And he knows, all right, it's 505. All right, if we tell him, hey, we've got an odd front this week, then he knows that typically we're going to have a five to the field a zero and then probably a four eye or a three like reduced into the boundary. Um, if we get a bare front, he knows that we're probably going to get the center and the two guards are covered and then there's a good chance that they've got somebody walked up to either side or both sides and now they're playing either some type of man or some type of buzz. Um, and then once he understands that like, we have defaults of, all right, well, if it's oaky, we may set it this way. We're setting the protection this way because it's an oaky front or we're setting the protection this way because it's a bare front. Um, and then once once he once he's got that, then it goes to let's look at coverages. And so, I in my personal experience, the boundary safety is the guy that can't lie to you. Yeah. Um, two by two, everybody's going to play. You know, they're going to try to be even. They're probably going to try to play two high safeties. Uh, when you put a tight end in the game, now it may change it. They're probably going to go ahead and pre-snap roll. You know, so it's going to give you a clear picture. Um, but teaching a quarterback how to read three-by-one coverage is the one that can set him apart from somebody else. Mm-hmm. And I tell him all the time, like, that boundary safety can't lie to you. Those corners can lie to you, and the front side safety can lie to you. But if that guy's rolling to the middle, he can't be late. Right. He's the one that's got to go. He's got to get off the hash, and he's got to go now. Yeah. And so we teach him, hey, look at the boundary safety. He's going to do one of two things. Well, really, one of three things. He's going to pedal where he is, so it tells you that some type of too high, you know, it could be – you know, to us, we tell him at quarters, cover two, like he understands the difference between, all right, you know, we've got a quarters look or we've got read. You know, if the guy's rolling to the middle, you know, we're telling him it's some type of buzz, some type of three high, or it could be what we call hole coverage. Well, he knows if the safety's rolling to the middle, we may want to work our one-on-one because even if it's whole coverage where that guy now becomes looking up number three through the middle, all right, we've got one-on-one over there to the boundary. Mm-hmm. you know, And that may be our best matchup, and he may want to work his matchup because if he gets a man, if he gets man, like his progression's kind of gone, and he's looking at what's my best matchup. And it's not just this guy versus this guy. It's this route and this guy versus this DB. And so – you know that so then it becomes if that guy's rolling to the middle and he's playing what we call three buzz so now the strong safety rolls down over two or over three free safety rolls to the middle we we treat that like cover three yeah if he presses down and rolls down to the boundary that means the strong safety's got to be the one that rolls to the middle and we call that five push mm-hmm. you know then he could cut himself in the box and so if they're going to bring some type of pressure and now he's cheated over the middle and it almost looks like those two safeties are stacked, we call that like robber coverage 
where now we run a lot of climbs, a lot of stuff through the middle of the field. And so people have started to play us like some robber coverage. Like mm. if it's not man, we may get some robber coverage. Yeah. And so they got that guy kind of sitting there for that climb route, or they'll cut that guy in the box and roll the backer back to try to disguise it a little bit. Yeah. You know, and then the only other thing he can do is play hard over the top of one. Well, if he's playing hard over the top of one of the boundary, then we're expecting either some type of choke blitz from the boundary, or we're just expecting them to play cloud over there to that side. So we know we want to work our three by side. So for every bleacher coach on Friday nights, recite every bit of that back to me yeah. and, and, <laughs> and tell me you understand that. You know, and, and, and where I'm going with that is it is so complex, even for a high school quarterback, just everything you went through for them to learn, and all of that's got to happen in two split seconds. Second. Yeah, yeah, split second. And we're talking like, you know, our quarterback's a 15-year-old kid. Yeah, exactly. You know, and so that's got to happen. And sometimes it don't happen like that for us. And, like, I've been looking at, at coverages for – you know, a decade now. Right. You know, and there's still times when all of a sudden you see a guy roll late and you don't see it in a split second either. Yeah. And so it gives you some perspective when now you're trying to coach that kid. Like, I tell our, our quarterbacks all the time, you don't necessarily have to be the guy that wins the game for us. You just can't lose it for us. Right. You know, and sometimes that means taking an incomplete pass. Yeah. You know, sometimes it means throwing the ball away or just throwing it to your check down and now get your speed in space and let's see what happens. Right. Yeah. Yep. So your your involvement with the youth uh, is pretty admirable at uh, Southside. Um, you know, I follow along on social media um, and, and, and keep an eye on what you guys are doing. And, and one of the big things that jumped out at me was the, the recruitment day uh, yep. you know, where – it was seemingly set up like a college program yeah, yeah. where the youth football players were able to come and take a visit to mm-hmm. Southside. How how important is it to get involved with the youth and how much of your philosophy, your terms, your, your play concepts do you try to implement into the youth program? You know, I think I think youth football is 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 awesome. You know, and I, we we've got we've got two different programs, which makes it a little bit tough. Mm-hmm. Right, because like we are, are, we have three Southside programs that are playing for the for the championship game tomorrow, but we've also got three Rainbow City programs, and then our C team Southside and our C team Rainbow City team played each other last week in the first round of the playoffs. So you you're always a little bit torn, you know, like who do you, you can't pull for one or the other because eventually they're going to both be your kids, you know. But at the same time, like the fact that we've got two different communities, right, that that have two different programs. But when we have, um, we had a, a youth a youth night coaches clinic, and so we brought them in. We had our players there, and so we went around, and each unit coach, you know, would talk through, and like all the coaches are there, you know, and they're taking their notes, and like we're just going through like our indie every days. So they come in, they take notes on their on their notepad, and like we ask them, hey, if you have any questions, like we just kind of took them through some drills that we felt like, hey, you can incorporate this at y'all's level, you know, and you can't incorporate everything, um, but one thing that we we know we want to incorporate is our terminology, um, and it's I think it's a little bit easier defensively. Uh, I mean, you're not going to see a whole lot of kids come out in C team football and getting three by one, and they're trying to throw the ball around. You know, but you know they can call inside zone if they run inside zone. They can call it what we call it. If they're going to run power. They can call it what we call it. You know, if they're going to get in what we consider a heavy set or a tight end set or a tight end fullback set, then you know they can call that by how we call it. Which to me is is 
we just call it by the personnel. You know, mm-hmm. if we want to get tight end fullback on the same side, we call it 21-3. You know, that's, yeah. that's kind of how we call everything. And so um, then it teaches them, like, what that means. And so now all of a sudden they're watching games on Saturday or they're watching games on Sunday, and they hear, you know, a, an analyst say, well, they're in 21 personnel here. Well, our kids know what that means now. And then all of a sudden you got a 10, 11-year-old kid who's so invested in football and he's invested enough where he wants to learn football. And now he knows, oh, well, that's what we call it. And it just gives them an extra sense of, hey, I, I like what we do, man. That's awesome. Because now they see somebody else that's famous doing it, you know, and they're getting recognition for it. And so, you know, getting those guys involved, I, I had the, the chance to coach a kid that plays receiver. And his brother works at Minor, uh, coaches football at Minor. And, and Cooper actually plays receiver at Bellhaven, you know, and, and Cooper went through a hard time. And, I, you know, I don't want to share his story. You can find his story out there. But, but basically, like, getting a chance to play peewee football and knowing that, you know, Coach Niblett was there and, like, kind of what, what really, he, you know, he, he explained, like, pushed him through was the opportunity to get to become a buck one day, you know, and that kind of pushed him through, you know, some of the stuff that he struggled with and the difficulty he had growing up right there. Um, was awesome and like touched me and like still does you know and uh that he he's a he's a special dude man and he's balling out at Bellhaven right now super proud of him you know but he he overcame some stuff and he overcame some difficulties because the relationships he was able to build when he was in peewee football you know and that led him to be able to have the opportunity to play for coach Niblett when he got to Hoover you know and and those are those are special things and like that was part of the reason that led me to Southside is I knew they had those two those two programs right there and you know I try to be as involved with them as I can be you know it's during the se- it's easier in the off season to be right. super involved or it's easier during the season it's a little bit tougher as the season goes on because now your practices kind of conflict a little bit and so but when, we, when I leave here tonight like I'm going back talking to our south side you know all three teams are going to be there they're on the practice field tonight and so just talk to them they play tomorrow in the championship game and so just have a chance to go and see those kids and talk to those kids and a lot of them are our managers on Friday you know and so that's just something that's kind of cool to me you know we, we had those guys on the bus with us last week and like we're getting on the bus back to go home and I was like we took a picture and I was like I'm gonna post this picture in a few years when you guys are after you just won the first round like we're that's, gonna have this picture and we're gonna post it in a couple of years after you win the first round that's awesome that and that's building a culture right there yeah. that's building for the future uh, very, very awesome. I, I admire that. That's cool. That, that's also going to help out with the retention, like you mm-hmm. talked about earlier, the 7th and 8th graders. Man, I, I really just don't like football right now. Yeah. Where they're at that age and they're understanding what's going on at the varsity level, they're going to enjoy that middle school level a lot more because they're understanding what you're talking about out there. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and we're still in the process of doing some things at Southside that, that we all want to do that helps us get the middle school more involved, uh, that allows us – you know, we're in the process of like trying to find lots for our practice field so that the middle school can practice right there. You know, our, the, the, we've got some, the, the south side peewee that can practice right there on the practice field when we finish up. Um, Cause right now it's hard. They've got to kind of travel across and then the middle school has got to come back and they're not on campus, you know, with us. And so uh, we're trying to find some things that make it a little more fun. You know, one thing we did was the freshman signing day that, you know, getting those kids from middle school to the high school uh, they don't always feel like they're included immediately. 
um, we gave them, you know, we gave them hats. You know, they signed, they put a hat on, whatever. And like you'd have been, it is it is insane how many of our how many of our seniors are like, hey, we gonna get one of those hats. And I'm like, no, nah, man, you ain't a freshman, you didn't sign, you already did. Like, so, but that was that's just that's just something. Hopefully that, you know, our our kids, our middle school kids, look forward to, you know. And last year we did it. And we had to try to figure out the best way to do it and. Um, this year we've got a plan in place and we're going to kind of try to take it to the next level this year and uh, do something even more special than we did last year. So coach, you're talking about the community and everything. Can you tell us what brought you to Southside High School? Yeah. Um, you know, I, I'll be honest with you. I didn't, I didn't really think I was going to leave Alpharetta after a year. Um, you know, Jason Kirvin uh, is one of my best friends in the world. Um, and he's actually getting ready to play Archer tonight in the first round of the Georgia playoffs. And so uh, he's got that program headed in the right direction. And when I had the chance to go with him, you know, I didn't think it was going to be a one year and then, and then leave for a head coaching job. Um, head coaching jobs are hard to get. <laughs> I mean, they're hard to get, and especially when you look at, uh, you know, people who want to throw out your record, you know. And, like, I mean, I'm not going to hide from the record that we had at Crossville. Uh, it was not 500. Uh, but you couldn't convince me that the two years that we spent at Crossville wasn't a success. I don't care what the numbers say. Um, I know I know what those kids mean to me, and you know I, I like to feel like I know what I mean to those kids. Um, well, let's stop right there, though. Talking about Crossville, you took Crossville to the playoffs for the first time since you I was a senior. Since you were a senior, yeah. So, regardless of record. That was a turnaround, it especially. So I I wanted to add that in there. That's yeah, it, it, it was. They're a special group, and we went through our own deal of adversity for those two years. Um, that you know those kids have a special place in my heart and always will. Um, and I talk to most of them still, like every single day right yeah. now. I mean, um, but you know I, I was. I, I looked at a couple jobs, you know, and I talked to Jason about them, and I was like, hey, man, what do you think about this one? And he was like, well, you know, maybe. Look at look at the potential stuff. And, um, you know, I, I, got a, I got a text from, from a guy that I – like, I really value his advice. Um, and he said, hey, go after the south side job. And I was like, really? And he was like, yeah, you, 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 gotta, you could do something special there. Uh, and I didn't real. I I had never been across the bridge on 77. I had never <laughs> gone over there. You know, I I don't I don't think I'd ever been there. I didn't even know what it, you know, because I knew they were coming into the region the year that I left Crossville. They had dropped from six to five and was coming into the region, but I'd never played them. I'd never played them. Didn't really know what they were about. Didn't know anything about the school. Um, started looking into it, and it reminded me of Crossville in the 90s and early 2000s. Mm. Um, which is holds a special place to me. I mean, that's that's football. That's what I remember about high school football, you know. And so I was like, all right, well, let's let's throw your name in there. And I'll be honest with you, like I sent my resume in and did everything that you know that you do. You apply for the job, send it to the principal. Uh, sent my stuff to Miss Tucker and Coach Revis, and I was like, ah. Kayla was like, what do you think? And I was like, nah, man, I'm not gonna. I don't even think I'll get an interview. And she's like, really? And I was like, no, nah, I don't. I don't think so and got an email back like a week and a half later and I, I'd already like put it out of my mind like I was I was getting ready for next year me and Jason were sitting down like talking about how we're going to do the offseason stuff and got an email and it was like hey do you want to 
do you want to interview virtually or do you want to interview in person? And I was like, ooh, I'm a def I'm definitely an in-person guy. Like I am an in-person guy. Like I feel like that, and this sounds this probably sounds bad, but I I feel like if I could have gotten the room, I could have got the job. Because mm-hmm. um, I I knew what I wanted to do. Like I knew what I wanted the program to look like, and I felt like I'd been around some of the best coaches that this state has, and I took bits and pieces from all of them and I felt like like I've, I've got a good plan if we can get somewhere where somebody will let me explain the plan I feel like I, I could possibly get that job so we go I uh, interview for the job and I come out and Kayla's like what do you think and I was like I don't I don't know and I was like I feel good about it like I explained what I wanted to do like I explained my vision um, and they listened you know and uh, so we left, and I get a I get a text later on. Hey, um, would you want to come back this weekend for a second interview? And I was like, absolutely, like without a doubt. So go back for the for that one. And like we look at this the stadium and stuff, and they were like, well, we know it's not the Met, you know, and this that and the other. And I was like, yeah, well, I'm. You know, this sometimes the Met feels empty. You yeah. Know? It, sometimes it does not feel empty at all, but sometimes it does. Um, and so I'm not I wasn't into comparing what what it was going to be like you know I just wanted somewhere that believed in the vision that I had for the team and had the same vision themselves uh, and Miss Tucker did you know and so I wasn't 100% sure uh, we left and they were like well you know if, if something you know we'll, we'll give you a call either way and let you know so I was like I got in the car I got in the car and I was like man like Kayla was like what do you think like they didn't and offer the job, and I was like, I know, like maybe I messed it up. And, like my son talked their ear off, you know, my son's nine, <laughs> and like he talked their ear off. Like, we're looking at facilities and stuff, and he's just telling them all about roadblocks and this, that, and the other, right? And he could care less about football. So, um, we go eat with my family, and uh, the next day, that Sunday, I got a call. Miss Tucker was like, Hey, uh, we want to offer you the job, and I was like, Oh my gosh, absolutely, yeah, yes. She's like, you don't need to talk it over your family. I was like, no, ma'am, I want the job. <laughs> and so uh, that was, I didn't realize how special of a place it was going to be. Um, but we got some awesome kids. Uh, and our administration is, has been nothing but supportive. Um, you know, had a guy that, that kind of, you know, may potentially want to come, you know, and be on staff with us also. And was talking to him the other day. And we had a half day, you know, on Wednesday. And so um, I'm getting to play golf with like one of our assistant principals, you know, like you don't, that don't happen everywhere. Right. You know, and like I've been able to build relationships with our administration, with our, with the other teachers that are, you know, that are on staff right there. And like I sit and we eat lunch together and like, they're just, it's a bunch of really good people. There's yeah. a bunch of really good people that, that try to do things the right way and they want the best for the kids. And so it, it makes Southside a pretty special place to be good deal so coach you, you've got the job mm-hmm. walk us through that process what does it look like what are you thinking when you first take over a new job a new school what are those critical first steps that you have to take you know I think I, I think the first thing you got to do is you can't alienate yourself and you go in and you're like we're going to do things this way now because I feel like that automatically is telling everybody else that the way they had done it previously wasn't good and like I, I didn't want to do that like um you know you never know, coaching-wise, 
if you're gonna have a bunch of positions open, if you're gonna be able to hire some people. You know, and I knew I was gonna have a chance to hire one or two. Um, and I knew I would need to bring in a defense coordinator. Um, but I also knew that I was gonna talk to the guys that were on staff already and see if any of them wanted that opportunity. Uh, because I walked into a situation that I'm the third coach in three years. And so they had Ron, you know, and then Gary came in for a year, and then now I'm number three. And so you think about it, and you're like, all right, well, these guys that are still on staff have been the head coach of this football team for about 12 out of the last 36 months because there's been gaps between coaches. And so you don't – I never wanted to alienate any of them. Like, I never wanted them to think, like, that I was coming in to change things. Like, I feel like that's all too often – when a new guy comes in, like, oh, well, this, you know, he's gonna, he's getting all the attention. And like some, like some of it is just, that's just the nature of the beast because that you're the new guy. Um, but I didn't want our kids to forget about the fact that the guys that were staying on staff cared about them enough to show up day in and day out and work with those kids and keep them in the weight room and keep their spirits up and keep kids out because without them, I don't know what the program would have looked like. You know, and so the first thing I did was try to meet with our coaches. The next thing was we had a team meeting, all right. And the biggest thing that I could get was, and this is I I said this in the interview because I really believe this. Like I wanted them to send me what their birthday was, like, hey, send me your birthday, because when you think about it, like who texts you on your birthday? Like who's who's the people that send you a text on your birthday? It's either the family or the like your family or the people that really care about you. Or the people that'll not people post on Facebook, but like the people that really know you and care about you and have a relationship with you, they'll send you a, a different. They'll send you a separate text, like, "Hey man, happy birthday! Hope you have an awesome day." Like, and that's that was important to me. Like, I want your birthday so that when your birthday rolls around, like I can text you so you know that you matter. Right. Um, and like that's something small and like don't have anything to do with X's and O's, but I feel like has everything to do with the type of culture that we wanted to build. Right. And so we met with the team. You know, and you know, I kind of laid out our expectations, and uh, you know, people <laughs> laid out what our culture was, and I'm sure we may get into it later on. But like, you know, they didn't know what that they didn't know what hyper was, and they just knew like I was up there, and I had like a dadgum, you know, sweatshirt on, like a sweater with a white collar. They give me a hard time still about it. Like you had, came in with a sweater and like a white collar under it, like you just didn't know who you were. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, it's all right. So. Had a chance to meet with them, and then you you want to lay out like these are these are the standards. Like this is what it's going to look like if you play here. Like if you decide to make that commitment, and you want to play here, this is kind of what it's going to look like. Um, and so we we went to work. You know, I mean, like in the morning we would do our speed and agility stuff in the morning at six o'clock, and then we got them back down there at one thirty, and then we're lifting at one thirty. And then on Wednesdays, like they're in there Wednesday mornings and like we're feeding them breakfast on Wednesday mornings and we're going through mindsets on Wednesday morning because I felt like it was important to go ahead, like let's hammer down, let's show them what the culture is. And like culture's a buzzword, like everybody's using it now and, and I, I get it, like to us, it's just like how are we gonna bring all these kids together and these coaches together to do the one thing we're asking them to do and that's compete relentlessly. Like what is gonna bring them together? And that's what hyper is for us. Like that's our culture. Like that's how we're bringing people together. And so I thought it was important. Like let's show them what it is. Like 
I don't like if somebody asks them like what is the A, what is that what does that stand for? Like it wasn't like, ah, oh, it's just our, our culture. Like they could tell you like what the H stands for, what the Y stands for, what the P is, what the E is, what the R is. And like they could recite it back to you because they know it because they believe in it. Because you know you're in a special place. When your kids speak the same language that you do, that's when you know you're you're starting to get real investment. And, and we, we don't say like we uh, we, we don't really say buy-in. Like, and a lot of people like come up to you and they're like, hey, like, man, those kids are bought in. And like, I try to, I try to shy away from buy-in. And the only reason is because you can buy in when things are good, but when things get tough, like a lot of times those people sell out too. Yeah. And so we say invest. You know, that's one of our, that's one, that's part of our culture is to invest your time, not spend it. So we don't want them to just be up there just to get through the day. You know, we want them up there to invest their time to find a way to get just a little bit better that day. You know, and so that's what we did. Like we jumped in like both feet, you know, we started installing stuff. We started installing offense. We started, I had to hire a defense coordinator. Um, and nobody on staff really wanted to be the DC. Um, and most of them were offensive guys anyway, you know. And so that brings a different dynamic uh, because I'm an offensive guy. And we had a ton of offensive coaches that were staying. And so how do you go about – because everybody knows how to deal with kids. Mm-hmm. Like to me, the hardest part of coaching football and being a head football coach is, is managing adults. I mean, because they have – the same goals and they have the same aspirations and you know they want they want what you want you know but now but they're just they're not kids like you can't you can't like there is no fake it till you make it with adults right you know and so I wanted to make sure that I went in and like I didn't I don't ever think a head coach should go in and I'll be like all right this is I'm gonna get respect because my title is the head coach like that's not what it's about and like I, I like that's that's really our H and like the H in our culture stands for how you do what you do like our how is important and I didn't want to go in and feel like hey you're supposed to respect me because I'm the head coach and that's my title like you get some respect based off your title like initially and then it becomes about how you do your job and how you do your job earns you respect that's right um, and I thought that was important with the guys that were coming back and so but I also knew I needed to hire DC. And the guy who we ended up hiring, Justin Bowen, was at Oxford, successful at Oxford, won a state title there, um, but also applied for the job and was like top three in getting the job. Um, and I talked to a bunch of people about like, hey, like who you guys think? And I remember talking to one of our assistant principals and he's like, hey, this guy was good. Like in the interview, like he was really good. And I was like, well, you got his number. <laughs> and like, I think it's just a testament to, to him that he was even willing to take my call when I texted him and told him who I was. Because human nature, if you don't get a job, human nature tells you to like wash your hands at that place. And I don't want, you, you guys didn't pick me, so now I don't want nothing to do with you. Right. Uh, and I called him and I was like, hey man, look, like I know you, you didn't get the job and I know you want to be a head football coach, but Here's it. I'm. I know I can't offer you everything that Oxford can offer you, but I can offer you the one thing they can't offer you. Um, and Oxford tried to keep him. And like when Coach Adams got there, I, Sam does an awesome job. Um, I I know Sam, and I know the type of person that he is. And I knew when they hired him, like as a big time hire for them. And I knew Sam wants to keep good men around the program. And I knew he was going to try to keep Justin. Uh, and me and Justin uh, ended up 
it's a crazy story. The first time we actually met each other, there was a tornado. <laughs> we got out of school that day because of the weather, but like me and him met still. We're in the field house and like uh, we've got like we're pulled up and he's talking to Claire's wife on the phone and she's at home and they're like having to get in the bathroom and I was like, man, we're never gonna forget this story. It's gonna be an <laughs> awesome story in ten years, you know. Um, but but him being willing to take a chance to come um, to a program like Southside and do something that we're trying to do. Uh, was a testament to him and like what he's wanting to do and he's going to be an incredible head coach whenever he decides that he wants to be one you know hopefully that's not for a few years Justin so don't get any ideas but you know so I I think that's a perfect time for uh, you to to talk a little bit more about hyper so for our listeners hyper is kind of the mantra for Southside Mm -hmm. football uh, go into detail about what that is yeah so I'm an acronym guy Uh, and I always look for acronyms like that fits uh, kind of what we're what we're trying to do and what we're trying to build and like hopper just kind of fits me and like my personality you know like if you come to a practice uh, and we had to change some stuff but most of the time like you're going to hear some music at practice you know we're going to see us kind of bouncing around like I, I'm a teacher like I teach kids too you know I teach geometry and so like holding kids attention is tough like especially for long stretches of time so you better do something where you're bouncing in and out of drills because them being at football practice is no different than them sitting in a class. Like you stand up there and you lecture for 45 minutes, they're gonna get tired of looking at you, you know. And so we try to we try to have practice set in a hopper fashion, uh, and it just fits me. Like that's kind of just kind of who I am. And so for us, hopper the H, like I said earlier, is how H stands for how, uh, and and the how is what we say is the people, you know. And the people are the most important part of any organization. Um, and our how, we say we want to be uncommon. Like you want to be uncommon in a group of uncommon people. And so being a math guy, you know, and it's like we and we had this at Crossful, you know, there's like uncommon, but the C is like cubed, right? It's got an exponent of three. And to us, the three C's that make us uncommon are our, our character, our competitive drive, and the connection we have with each other. And so those are the three things that kind of bring us together and help us collectively as a program be uncommon in a group of uncommon teams. Um, And then you get into why, all right? And why for us stands for your vision, all right? And I told them, they're like, what is that? It don't make sense. And like I told them, like, here's, here's how we tied it together. They didn't pick me, right? I picked them. And so it's my job to make my vision their vision. Mm-hmm. And then eventually their vision becomes our vision, but it's our vision because you made a decision to make it your vision. Right. And so the vision that we have is kind of threefold. We want to be the most grateful, relentless, and unified team in the state. Uh, and that's the vision of our program. Like we want to build you know, player-led ownership. Like there, there's, there's player-led, like player-driven ownership for the team. Uh, to be grateful, relentless, and unified, because great, grateful people can't complain. Like, you, I've never met a grateful person to be able to complain about whatever situation that they're in. Um, and then being unified at the end comes back to the connection that we have with each other. Um, the P is is the part that is the hard part. The P is the process, which is the work that you have to put in to get somewhere. Uh, and so that's the who, what, when, where, and why, right? And, and the who is easy, all right? We just put out a video yesterday that we said who, who we were, and that was a family. Um, and it's, 
you know, everybody uses forget about me, I love you, and that's, you know, that's, that's something that's important to us because um, you're around those people a lot. Like, like we talk about all the time, like I'm around those kids as much or more than I'm around my own son, you know, and they're around us as much or more than they're around their own parents. All right. Um, and so there's got to be a mutual respect between the two. Uh, and there's got to be some type of love between the two to be able to want to be there that much. Right. Um, the what we do is we want to build each other up, right? Because it's, oh my gosh, it's hard being a kid in today's society. Like we were talking about this the other day. Like, you know, growing up, you could make a mistake or you could say something dumb and like in a week, in, in a week like people would forget about it, you know? Like now there's somebody there to record it. Yeah. Uh, there's somebody that in 10 years is going to bring it back up and they're going to repost it, you know? And like, I, I, I made the comment, like I would, I don't know if I could survive being a teenager in today's climate because you, you can't make a mistake. Right. Yeah. Like you can't, you can't afford to be a kid anymore. Yeah. Like we're not perfect. Like these kids are growing up and like, so we won't, we don't want to tear our kids down. You know, we want to build them up, you know, and that's belief, unity, uh, investment, leadership, and desire. That, that, that's what we, that's how we build these kids. Um, and that's how they build each other. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the where we're going, we say is success and significance, you know, and success is, is defined differently for different people, you know, but significance to us, all right, we, we say we want to be significant. And, the, and what that means for us is, it's not a it's not a focus on us, and we tell them all the time. Like when you focus on you, nobody else will. But when you make it about other people, other people will make it about you. Right. Um, and that's hard to do. It's hard to do in this climate when it's all about offers and it's all about stars, and you're asking a kid to do the exact opposite of what the world tells them to do. Um, and then you know the what you know it, it, after we get through that, it comes why. Right, and why you do what you do. And I tell them that's a personal decision. Like why you do this is a personal choice. All right, and something we, we used to, we started doing, all right, that we have to get, get back to doing with our whys is, I remember my, my uh, last year at Hoover, um, our receivers, you know, I remember texting them and I was like, hey, why do you play football? And like, who is it that's invested in you that is why you play football every day? And I got different answers, you know, and some of it was a grandmother, some of it was a mom, like some of it was their dad, you know. And so I was like, well, send me a picture of your why. And so they would send me a picture, so then I laminated it and I hung it up and I just put it in the back of their locker. So as soon as they walked in the facility that day, like they went and they walked into their locker to get their stuff, they seen why they were playing football. And like they had an image of this is why I play football. Like this is why I'm here at 545 in the morning. Right. This is why I came back that afternoon, uh, and I think that's a powerful thing, especially for young kids. Right. You know, that's to me that's powerful. The E in Hopper stands for edge, our edge, and we say we want to sharpen our edge one percent at a time, um, and that's effort, determination, grit, and execution. Like that's how we sharpen our edge. Like I said, I'm an acronym guy, so that's kind of my thing, you know. And so that, but when you when you think about any organization, like if you can, if you're willing to put in effort. All right. If you're willing to be determined enough that regardless of what anybody else tells you, you're still going to accomplish your goal. 
right? If you've got grit, and like, what is grit? I don't know, but I know this. I can see it in a kid when they've got it, and I can see it when they don't have it. You know, I don't know what it is. Sure. You know? uh, and then lastly, like, we want to execute what we do. Like, I never want our team to walk off the field and be like, man, they're the, they were the best coach team out there. Like, I don't want to ever come off after a win and be like, hey, we outcoached them tonight. Like, that's not the goal. Like, I want to out-execute the other team. Mm-hmm. You know, and there's times we did that this year, and there were times we didn't. Right. You know, and it ultimately falls back on us as coaches to get our kids to where we will execute consistently. But that's when it comes back to sharpening our edge just 1% at a time. And then R is the most important parts, and that's relationships. I mean, we talk about being a family. Well, you got to care about the, per- the, the person that's sitting next to you, and you got to know the person that's sitting next to you. And it's crazy how many high school kids will go through their high school career and, like, not know that guy or their name. Yeah. You know? And it's not as prevalent at Southside because we only had, like, 61 kids on our roster. But it, it there was more than I would have ever imagined that we got into, like, week six. And I'm like, hey, what's that kid's name? Somebody be like, ooh. Uh. And, like, I didn't, that's, not, that's on me. That ain't on that kid. Like, it's on me. Like, I can't get you to know the guy that's sitting in the same room with you every single day. Like, yeah. I got to do a better job. Yeah. You know, and so that's 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 what Hopper is. That's what it stands for for us. And like people like to laugh at it because we put it on everything. So, but that's all right. But it's it's so interesting how all of this falls in line, uh, just from your work with the youth programs into that hyper mentality and the, you know, the the culture that that you are building at Southside. It just seems like everything just kind of fits hand in hand with what you're building, which. It's just it's really cool to to hear that and and to see what is currently being built at mm-hmm. Southside in a high school program. Yeah, absolutely. That's that's definitely the fun part. Yeah. So, <clears throat> I can hear the excitement in your voice when you're talking about the hyper and you're developing that culture. A lot of exciting things going on at Southside. Let's talk about your philosophies, offensive yeah. and defensive. How long do you feel it really takes someone to establish those philosophies at a school? I mean, I think. I think it depends on. I think it depends on a few things. Like I think it depends on like what your standard is, um, and like how much you're willing to push it early on. Uh, for us, offensively, you know, we after week one, after the Lincoln game, um, which was completely on me. Like I did not do a good enough job letting Gage be Gage. I tried to protect him. Uh, and like he didn't ask me to or nothing. Like I just, I just tried to do too much to protect him. And I knew after that game, like, hey, like we're not doing it. Like he's a he's a player. Like let's let him play. And like I say, I said that. Like I'm having this conversation with myself, like riding down the road, like legitimately talking to myself. I'm like, no, we're gonna let him play. Like take the handcuffs off him and let him do what he does. Like he's a baller. Let's let him ball. So from that point on, like we just started installing it all. Like. At one point in time, I look at the call sheet like week four, and we've got like 97 plays on the call sheet, you know. And the kids would be like, "Oh," and like they always wanted our skill guys always wanted a call sheet like on Thursday, <laughs> so they'd come back in there and they knew like Thursday was cleaning day, so we practice in the morning on Thursday, and they come back and like we're cleaning, then we go out for a walkthrough, and like they're all like, "Hey, can we get a call sheet? How many plays are on it today? Like, how many plays are on this week?" And like you're, they want to know, like they want to know that stuff. But like the fact that they want a call sheet tells me like, all right, it's it works. Um, but, I, you know, I think complete understanding of the system takes at least two years. I mean, 
you know, we went through a process last year, and, and I had a conversation with Coach Kirvin on my way up here, and he's talking about just how much better the quarterback is. Because it was a similar situation last year at Alpharetta. We had a sophomore quarterback last year, and we're playing 7A football in Georgia. And, you know, it, it you know, we went through some growing pains. Uh, but we competed, and the quarterback's a baller too, similar to, to like Gage is here. He's a baller. You know, he kind of helps us, makes us go. Um, but he was like, I'm just telling you, man, year two, it's going to be so much better. Like, they're going to be so much. He's like, it's, he's like, I went back and watched tape from us last year. He's like, and we were kind of forcing it, and sometimes he was guessing. He's like, there ain't no guesswork this year. Like, he knows it. Like, he's coming to the sideline, and he's telling me, hey, this is what I like here. I like this. And he's like, sometimes I'm like, really? Like, you like that? And he's like, yeah, you're right. That's a bad play. And he's like, but I can have those conversations with him in year two. Um, and I think, it, I think it really is. It's a two-year process. Uh, I think once you go through a complete offseason, which we weren't far off from a complete offseason. I got there March 22nd last year, you know, but I still think those the months of December, January, February are important months, especially when you have a chance for you know, those two and a half months at least to work with your kids and, and be able to meet with them and talk to them and uh, have some conversations that you can't always have in season to be able to develop them and for them to understand like why we're doing what we're doing. Uh, I read a uh, I read a quote the other day that said, "When you know what to think, you're ready to compete. But when you know how to think, you're ready to win." Uh, and that was a pretty strong quote. And so now that we've had a year into it, where our kids kind of know what we're doing, uh, year two we get into it and they know how to do what we're doing, then uh, then it's going to take us to another level. Okay. So what what does your your game day setup look like? Um, coaches in the box you know it, walk us through that what what are the coaches in the box relaying to you on the field um you know what what is their purpose serving and then as far as on the field you call in plays justin call in plays how does that whole process work so i think defensively it's a little bit different than it is for us on offense and so offensively uh coach romano's in the box for us he coaches our tight ends and fullbacks uh and his his as soon as the play's over he's like hey second and seven left hash and so the way we've got our call sheet set up, like I'm going through it, and he's like, hey, third and four, right middle. And so I look, and I'm like, all right, where's our third and four sheet? This is right middle. Um, and it's not always a perfect science. Like there's yeah. sometimes, like I've got this call sheet, and I'm like, man, it all looks good. And then there's sometimes you got this call sheet, and like, ooh, none of that looks good, you know? <laughs> and so, um, but his, his the, the first thing he does is he relays, hey, you know, here's the down and distance. It's where we are on the field. Uh, the second thing he does is like he notices like if there's a corner that comes out of the game and they, there's a backup that comes in or maybe there's a guy that's like cramping a little bit, hey, so-and-so's so a little bit gimpy right here, like let's go at him. All right, so we'll go at that guy. Or, hey, so-and-so's off the field now in the box. They've got a new defensive tackle, so boom, let's go with, let's go with that guy. Um, you know, it could be a situation where he's looking at it and he's like, hey, you know, they're not – that guy's not in a four right here. Like, he's playing in a five, so we need to adjust to this. And so, you know, we there's been a couple times when, you know, we, we've expected an odd front, and they've came out and played us in an under front to the field this year. And so, you know, you make that adjustment. But um, for us, that's kind of why we build in – the way we build in practice. We do some good on good stuff, and our defense gets in a little bit of an even front sometimes, and they get in an odd front sometimes, and they get in a bare front sometimes. And so we're always constantly giving our guys up front different looks because it changes the IDs for us in the run game. That, that kind of takes me into my next question. So we, we talked a little bit about the quarterback mm -hmm. and, and uh, 
you know what what he's looking at so pre-snap a pre-snap read um you know what whatever he's looking at as far as the defense goes at the high school level does that typically remain true or are you seeing a more versatile attack from the high school level where they're they're disguising their coverages yeah i mean it changes it depends on who you're playing that week honestly there's some people that that have really good athletes and they're like look like this is what we're gonna be in and we're better than you and you gotta beat us um but then you go play a team like mountain brook in the first round last week and like coach evans may be the, the best one of the best to do it at the high school level and he played I went back and watched the tape. He played some quarters. He played some two read. He played some man. He played some five push. He played some buzz. He cut the safety in the box a few times. Sending in a nickel package on yeah, third he, down. <laughs> he played a little bit of everything. Yeah. Um, and I told my quarterback about midway through the fourth quarter, I was like, I'm just telling you, like, this is going to be an awesome film to watch yeah. in the offseason. And, like, it was not going well for us, you know. And so uh, I was like, this is going to be an awesome tape to watch in the off season to show you this is the coverage this is how they're rolling it post snap this is what the free safety's doing who we we call the free safety the boundary safety like this is where he's going this is what that coverage looks like um and we've seen some teams before that that would you know they're it's you you get a lot of post snap you know rotation um but we didn't get as much as we got in one game throughout the year. We would get some guys that would post snap roll to three buzz mm-hmm. or would post snap roll to five push, you know. But, you know, Coach Evans is playing three high safeties uh, and, you know, he play he's playing some Tampa and then he's playing what we call like Tampa change and he's sprinting corners back to the hash and the safeties are sprinting down to the flats and choking the flat and, you know, they just they do they do a ton of stuff and these their the their staff did a great job. Like I told our staff like at the after the game was over, like look, well, we got outclassed. Mm-hmm. Like as a staff, like we got out. We just they just they did a great job. They had a great plan against us. Yeah, you know. And so, um, but I think it's something that is going to be in really really good for us to look at. You know, going into the off season of this is what they did to us. You know, and and I think Justin's the same way. You know, we, we played some man, tried to play some man against them, and. I think yeah, there was they, they had one play where they I think they motioned and shift I think it was four times pre-snap, you know and we got a we got a freshman free safety back there and uh, he gets burnt one time and you know some guys like oh man come on man and I'm like look like he's 14 years old guys like, <laughs> yeah you know we're we're playing against a, a a group of seniors who grew up cutting their teeth and against 7A Region three yeah like we got a 14 year old kid back there trying to cover and make sure he's doing what he's supposed to do like. It's a hard job. Like it's something that's hard. Like, and I think that's one thing as, as a coach, uh, especially as a football coach, that you don't always you kind of take for granted sometimes. I mean, I was thinking about it today. Like we had our kids working for seven months. Like they had to work for seven months to get eleven opportunities to compete. Like that's crazy. Yeah. Like we ask the most out of them and give them the least. Right. Like we we're the only sport that only plays once a week. Yeah. Every other sport in high school plays a couple times a week, and they only practice a couple times a week. Mm-hmm. Like we practice four days a week, sometimes five days a week, and we get them, we give them one opportunity. Right. Like it's it's just a, it's a, it's crazy. Like the amount of work we're asking them to put in for eleven opportunities is crazy. Yeah. 
So tell us what do you enjoy the most about coaching? What's your favorite thing? Uh, my favorite thing is is all right. So in a nutshell, all right, I've got a guy that's on staff with me um, that played quarterback for me at Crossville. All right, that's my favorite thing. Like getting a chance, like you know, getting a chance to snap guys every day. Like they want that they want to they want to keep contact with me. Like I had a kid that plays uh, safety at Austin P now. Uh, and like he sent me a he sent me a text last night and was like, hey, I got to play for you. I'm gonna send it to you. I'm gonna draw it up and send it to you. And like he played safety, yeah. you know, at Hoover. Like I I didn't coach. Like he wasn't. I mean, I coached offense. Right. So like it, we didn't have any like crossover, uh, where I we coached the defensive guys. You know, yeah. um, you know, and like a guy like like Rob texted me today. He was like, hey, like got to catch. I'm gonna call you soon. We got to catch up. Like that's the part that's. Why you do what you do, like yeah. the the opportunity to build relationships, like not just like this season's cool, like hey, appreciate what you did for me, but being able to have a lifelong relationship with those guys, you know, and a kid, uh, yeah, you know, I, I probably shouldn't say kid. He he's you know he's coaching at Hillcrest Tuscaloosa now. There's a guy that played at Hoover. Uh, played linebacker, and he's coaching at Hillcrest Tuscaloosa. And after the Oxford game, like, we're going to eat after it's over. And, like, he calls me, Coach, man, I saw that win. It's awesome. That's awesome, man. Like, he didn't have to do that. Yeah. Like, he didn't have to do that. But those are the parts of coaching that is the most rewarding. Like, it ain't got nothing to do with the wins. Like, the wins are great, but, like, the most, the, the best wins the next one. You know, like, I – and this is bad to say, like, I don't even get excited when we win anymore. Like, I just feel relief. Yeah. Like, there's, like, a sense of relief. Like, there's not, like, a joy, which is terrible. Like, I, I fully admit, like, that's not how it's supposed to be. Uh, but the best win's the next win, you know. And the the most important stuff is, you know, we had a, we had a kid that had to have surgery uh, last week. Uh, we FaceTimed him, like, after practice one day. And we're talking to him, you know, and he's, he's still, like, he's still hurting. He's just had surgery and got a text his mom and like the text said hey I appreciate you loving my son like he's yours and like that's that's the fun stuff that's like, awesome that's the best stuff yeah you know and and that and it's all too often you don't get to build relationships like that with every kid and that's the part that's frustrating so that and, and it's interesting because you mentioned relationship a lot mm -hmm. there and that falls right back into your hyper mm -hmm. mantra that you, you're you're building at Southside pretty cool yeah, yeah, it is. So, <clears throat> mentioning former players, yep, you have been around some absolute studs in yeah. your career. You've coached some, been around some on both sides of the ball. When you have those studs, those D1 level talent out there on your team, and you have the college scouts coming in, you have the coaches coming by, checking out your practices, maybe stopping in some of your games, how does that affect your team? Do you find that it distracts them more, or do you see more players trying to step up and be noticed? Yeah, I don't. I don't think it's a distraction. Like I think they know. Like you know, if you're a, if you're a player and you know you you have those opportunities, like I think that's it's it's become where now it's expected. You know, and I don't think it's any more of a distraction than Twitter is for them. You know, because they're they're going to go in, they're going to check Twitter. You know, to see what their mention says or to see. You know, if they've got an offer or anything like that, you know, and so I think it's, I think it's actually beneficial. You know, I think it helps them be able to take their game to the next level because, you know, I don't, I don't subscribe to the fact where you're not supposed to look out for number one. You know, like, 
this is a team game, but it's made up of individuals. You know, and if each of our individuals do what they're supposed to do, then our team's going to be successful. And so I don't think it's selfish for our individuals to want to put up good numbers. You know, and I think we push that. Like, I think it's important to build each of our kids to build their own brand because that's what they're doing. Like, their Twitter is their brand. Their Instagram is their brand. Like, their Snapchat is their brand. And so, like, we try to educate our guys. Like, hey, this, you know, like, make sure, you know, when you're on Twitter, like, put this in your header. Make sure everybody can see where you're from. Make sure, you know, your, you know, your name is where somebody can, like, search you up and find you. And, you know, if you like it, you promote it. Right. You know, and, and like, sometimes you just go through there and, like, you'll be like, oh, man, that's crazy. This guy's crazy. Like, that's a crazy tweet. Boom, let's hit like. Well, now all these guys that are recruiting you think, like, they see that and they see your name up there and like so and so locked this tweet and all of a sudden like ooh this is what this guy's about yeah you know and maybe it's not even that's not even the case like you just scroll through there aimlessly and all of a sudden you liked it so I don't I don't I think it actually helps when you have those people come through because it gives them a sense of this is what I'm working towards like this is where I want to get to you know and. If anything else, they know that if you if you're if you're playing in that program, wherever it may be, like you're gonna have opportunities to get to the next level, right? Um, and that's what we want to you know that's what we're trying to do at Southside. Like we're trying to promote our guys as much as possible. You know, I think we had us we had a corner uh, on Wednesday that got two offers in the same day. Like 6:05, he sent me a text. Hey coach, look at this. Got an offer from this school, and then at two thirty that afternoon, got another offer. You know, so that makes like six offers for him total, which is is pretty awesome. Yeah. You know, and that's, you know, that that's just comes back to, you know, the the fact that they want to share that news with you is another one of those pretty awesome moments as a head coach. So, uh, I've seen in a in a previous interview that you did uh, that you you said that while you were at Crossville you felt that something was missing as far as being a head coach, which kind of led you to Hoover yep. uh, to, to in search of finding what that was that you were missing. Have you found that, and what was it? I think we're always looking for ways to get better. But for me, it was the organizational aspect of how do we get adults and kids on the same page. Um, I was young. When I was at Crossville, yeah. I think I was 27 when I got the job. I mean, I, th- I think I was the youngest guy on staff when I got the job at Crossville. Uh, and so finding ways to do the job the right way and earn the respect from the guys that I worked with, um, you know, about how I did my job and not just because of what my title was. Uh, I don't think I did a good job of that when I was there. Um, I don't think I did a good job organizationally, like setting it up to where, you know, we we were working and like we pushed ourselves, but then we had enough juice to finish. Mm-hmm. And I don't think there's a blueprint for that because we we hit a little bit of that same thing here at Southside year one. Like boom, we come out the gates fast. Yeah, like felt good about it. Yeah, got banged up, and it got. I think it became more like a job than it was fun, and I think that starts with me. Like that started with me putting priority of winning over priority of building better people you know and like I look back on it and like I evaluated talked to a guy the other day like 
I evaluated myself after the season was over. And like, I always wanted to start, like anytime we meet with our units, like I, you know, I like to start with like, hey man, how's your day? Like, what'd you learn today? What'd you do today? You know, like what you struggling with? You know, what was good about the day? Like anybody got anything they want to share? And like the longer the year went on, uh, it got into like we were trying to rush and get in and out and like try to get out there. So it became like, hey, look, here's the film. All right, let's look, play one right here. Here's pace. Let's talk about it. Mm-hmm. And like that ain't on them. Like it's on me. Like I lost sight of what was important because I was putting winning over everything else. Right. And like don't get me wrong. Like I want to win just like everybody else does because if you win enough games, it gives you the opportunity to still have the platform that you have. Mm-hmm. But it can't be the most important thing. Right. You know. And I think I did that. I think I did that this year. About week six, week seven. Like got into that situation where now you're trying to make the playoffs and you know wins are important. Yeah. You know, but they're not the most important. Yeah. Uh, and so, you know getting a chance to go and I, I think Coach Niblett's the best. I think he's the best to do it. I think he's the best high school coach that's ever been in this state, you know, and just to learn from him, be around him uh, organizationally um, with the kids, with the coaches, uh, with the standard, you know, because I mean, I can't imagine if you're him, like if you lose, <laughs> yeah, like he used to, he had his awesome quote, and he's got multiple quotes that are that are awesome. But he used to say like, if we were playing a team we were supposed to beat, you know, and you thought it might be hard to get the kids excited about playing that game. Hey, you don't think this one's big? Lose it, and you'll find out how big it is. Yeah, you know, and like he just had he just had an awesome knack of constantly motivating the kids. And that was one thing I was missing. Like that was one of the things that I was missing. I felt like, hey, like you're getting a chance to play for this. Like, why are you not motivated to play for this? Yeah, you know. And you have conversation with guys, and then you just watch it, and then you're thinking about it. And you're like, well, like motivating kids is like this is a weird analogy, but like motivating kids, like we take a shower every day, mm-hmm. right? You watch, you you try to get clean every single day. Well, if you could just take a shower one time a week and be clean for the rest of the week, then you wouldn't need to take a shower every single day. Well, if I could motivate you on Sunday and then you'd be motivated the rest of the week, then I shouldn't have to motivate you every day. But that's not how it is. Right. Like, they need something every single day. Yeah. And, like, if we're not going to do that for them, then what are we there for? Yeah. You know? And so that was one of the things that I that I learned when I when I stepped away from being a head coach and was an assistant again. So, <clears throat> listen to you talk today. Very passionate about your kids. You can tell that you care about them tremendously. How important is it to set individual goals, not only team goals, but individual goals as a team? Yeah, I think it's super important. You know, I, I think our guys, they know what they want to get to. You know, and I'm sure we've got a receiver coming back next year, like Cody Roberts is an incredible player, right? And I'm sure his goal is to get to 1,000 yards, you know? And he's he, I think he finished the year this year with like 809 yards and eight touchdowns. And I, I'd be willing to bet he's going to have an individual goal next year of 1,000 yards and 10 touchdowns or 1,000 yards and 12 or 1,200 yards and 12 touchdowns. And, like, if he didn't want to set those individual goals, then, you know, like, every receiver wants the ball. Like, I don't I, I don't ever want a receiver to line up out here and be like, ah, I don't care if I get it this play. Like, and we don't need you on the field, brother. Like, right. We need to find somebody else that wants the ball. That's right. You know, like, and if i got a running back back there that's like, ah, I don't care if I get a tote right here, I'm all right. Like, I'll, I'll pick up pass pro. Like we need to get somebody else in the game. Like I want guys that want to put up good numbers. You right. know, I want offensive linemen that want pancakes. You know, I want I want safeties that want interceptions, that want pick sixes, or you want you know you want defensive linemen that want sacks. And so I I hope that our staff 
promotes our individual players to be strong individual players. But understand that the individual success isn't about just just about them. You know, we have a saying like, I don't care if you if you're better than everybody else. We want you to be better for everybody else. Right. And so, like, yeah, I want each one of our guys to be the best player they can be, but not for a selfish reason. I want you to be the best player you can be so that we all have success. Because if we all have success, then there's going to be more opportunities for you to show that success to other people. And so if everybody's playing the best, then we're going to continue to win football games. And if you continue to win, you continue to play. Yeah. And so, you know, if we all get better, then – and all of our individuals have the success that they want to have. Maybe instead of playing 11 games this year, we play 13 next year. Right. You know. And so I think it's super important that we that we push our kids to be the best individual players they can be. So what do you feel is the most important decision that you've made so far in your coaching career? I mean, and this like this may not make any sense, but like to me, the most important thing that I've done, and and it's. I don't think we always do a great job day in and day out, but I do think as a whole, putting impact over achievements, the greatest thing I've ever done. Um, that's, you can, that's awesome. No, you can that's... <laughs> like look at a record and be like, man, that guy ain't no good. Yeah. Well, that's perfectly fine. I get it. Like head coaches are what their record says they are. I just don't prescribe to that. Like you're as good as your kids that played for you say you are. Like, that's the most important part. Like, that's the most important part. That's why, yeah. you, that's why you coach football. That's why you coach any sport. Yeah. Like, you're you're as good. Like, the fact that we got a guy that played quarterback for me, and I know how hard I coached him, and, like, he'll tell you to this day, like, during spring practice, he kept a tally sheet of how many times I screamed at him as a running backs coach. Like, but the fact that he felt like I could add a little bit of value to what he wanted to get into and he wanted to come back and coach with me is incredibly special to me. Yeah. Like – talk to God the guy that sent me the play last night I was like hey are you getting into coaching he's like yeah man as as, as soon as I'm finished playing like he, this dude's got a chance to play in the league for a little bit too and he's like you know whenever I'm done like I want to coach and I'm like well you know you got a spot yeah like wherever you want he's like all right bet coach bet yeah like that's that's the goal like achievements man wins and losses are going to come yeah you know like I want to win I, I despise losing like I, I'd be willing. To, I I I hate losing more than I like to win, but my biggest thing is like let's put impact over achievement every single day. And I text my I text Justin last night and I told him I don't think I did a great job putting impact over achievement at the end of the year last year and like I won't make that mistake again. So any uh, any pregame rituals? Yeah, you know, like I love I I I, <laughs> I love joggers. Right, like I love top pants. I don't. I don't care what nobody says. Right, I like them. All right, make fun of me. I don't hey, care. I've got on a pair right now. Like so. I love them. Right, they make you feel good. Yeah. I feel like I can run faster in them. You know, like I. I don't think I need to run faster or anything, but like they make me feel good. Yeah. And so you know, I like. I like to wear something out to like activation, and warm-ups and I like to change clothes before the game starts there you, go. you know I like to have something different for the game I like to change clothes yeah. you know and like that's something coach Niblett did and like that's something kind of I did before I got there 
before I got to Hoover, but being there at Hoover let me know, like Coach Niblett doing it, let me know that it, hey, it's okay. You can embrace it. Yeah, you can embrace that. There, there was know? a, uh, there was a, a game that you guys played. I don't know which game it was. The student section had the sign. Oh, it's Hoax Bluff. Yeah, all right, yeah. It wasn't our student section either. It was right. theirs. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That, that's funny. That's awesome. So what 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 you got playing in the headphones on game day? All right, so I don't even have like my phone is always hooked up to the speakers. Yeah, like that our kids play. Okay, and so I typically will get some stuff from them, but you know I gotta try to stay relevant, right? So there's some you know Drake dropped a new album this year, so kids I'm like, hey, what do you guys like? And they're like, well, I like this one or I like that one, and so like Drake's on there, obviously. Future dropped a new album this year, so there was some of that on there. Uh, like Meek Mill has an awesome song called "Wins and Losses" that's that's on there. You got to make sure it's edited, you know. Yeah. Um, but like, it's our job to try to stay relevant with our kids, and you try to make it as fun and relevant as possible. And so, uh, Lil Baby has a song called "Southside," so like they like that one. Yeah. You know? Like it's you know, once again, like it's you know, I don't it don't really pertain to us, but. You know, the name of the song is the name of our school, so they like it. Yeah. Do you ever try to sneak in some of the music from your days? Uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, like we, like you know, me and Coach Bowen love Boosie, and so set it off. We'll get in there a couple times, uh, and our kids know we like it. So we'll be on like the bus ride home, like after a win, and they'll turn on, set it off, and like I, you know, we're up there singing. You know, they like it. You know, then I'm I'm gonna play some Dr. Dre. Like that's gonna be in there somewhere. Um. Let's see. Chief Keef's going to be on there a couple times, you know. Uh, but really, I, I, you know, when we, we take a we take our speaker on the road with us, and there's probably some teams that don't like that. But, like, what are they going to do, try to beat us worse than they were going to try to beat us if we wouldn't take in a speaker? Like, right, yeah. It ain't like – like, I. it's not a disrespectful thing. We're just – our kids like it. Yeah. So we're going to do it. Yeah. You know. Well, Coach, look, we've we've enjoyed having you on here, man. Uh, I, I could sit here and I could talk ball all night with no, you. No, uh, no. Just an incredible insight to your program and, and what Southside is about. Uh, Southside is extremely fortunate to have you. Um, I truly believe that. And, I, hey, I can't thank you enough for being on the show. Well, look, I, 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 would, I love doing it. I love talking and getting a chance to talk football. I mean, just a chance to talk in general. So it's, uh, it's awesome. I really appreciate it. You having me on here and look, y'all got it going, man. Things going. I got <laughs> I some awesome it. stuff, man. It's awesome. I appreciate you having me. Thank you, man. Good luck next year. Yes, sir. You've been listening to Under Further Review, a sports podcast with Anthony Burgess. Visit us online at ufrsportscast.com and follow us on Twitter at UFR underscore sportscast. Thank you for listening. And after further review, the ruling on the field stands. UFR signing off.